Hey guys, if you're an avid listener of my pod, then you know that I love speaking about mental health, whether that's in my personal life or with my guests, I sometimes always end up gearing towards that topic. And I've struggled with mental health in my own life. And I opened up about my eating disorder on the podcast, which was terrifying, but it's now so rewarding. It's really helped me heal on my own journey and I've been able to connect with so many people. And one of the things that really helped me through my healing journey was therapy. And for some of my friends who've always thought about trying it, they find it inaccessible or expensive or hard to find the right therapist. And that's where today's sponsor, BetterHelp, comes in. If you're struggling with your own mental health or, you know, you're feeling anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, and you're looking to get into therapy and you need someone to talk to, BetterHelp is a really great resource and it's here to help. They offer licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. So you can talk to your therapist in private, in an online environment, wherever you want. I know for me, um, the first time was very overwhelming and it was in person. So having an online, you can just be in the comfort of your own home. You can be in your car, on a walk, whatever you feel most comfortable with. They have over 20,000 therapists with a huge network and you can get access to a therapist that's like, may not even be available in your area, but could be the perfect fit. You just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs. And then you can match with a therapist as little as 48 hours. My first time with a therapist, IRL a couple years ago, it took me three months to get booked with her it was crazy busy so it's amazing where if you need help you fill out the questionnaire and you get matched with someone in 48 hours and then you secure a video and phone session and everything is very confidential join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist and for all my listeners because we love discounts and we know therapy can be expensive sometimes so you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash well now what that's better h-e-l-p dot com slash well now what let's get back to the episode one two three four welcome back everyone i am joined by ed and natasha the husband and wife duo behind bread bread is known for their 100 percent vegan breads and treats um, sustainability is also a key part of their menu um, with every coffee purchase resulting in a tree being planted and if that's not enough they also recently got their b corp certified business in september which is super exciting and I first found about bread um, through their Instagram. I am not a baker, but I'm a huge bread lover. So as soon as I saw those like baking vids that you had, Ed, I was like obsessed. It's just like so soothing to watch. Um, and it was like so great. And their community has grown so much. And I have been to the cafe um, and I can say it's amazing. So if you haven't been, and a lot of my listeners are from the Vancouver area, go make the drive and definitely stop. It's in Creekside. So, Thank you both for coming on. I'm so excited to dig into your journey. Oh, thank you. That's a really nice welcome. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Of course. Okay, so for me, memory is really tied with scent. And as like a foodie, I know you guys are both foodies in the food industry. Do you remember your first memory with scent? Um, for me, for example, my family is really multicultural. We come from a lot of backgrounds. Um, and my uncle's Italian. And my first memory is all evolving scent. It's like fresh pasta being made. I can I can still like kind of smell it now. Um, so I'm curious to know if you know your first memory with scent. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I was just thinking you are, no one's ever asked me that before. Um, I think for me, it's probably bread, but it's a funny story. My mother uh, was a terrible cook. And one time she made some bread at home and she forgot about it and she left it in the oven overnight and we found it the next day and we cut it in half and it was all black and there was a tiny little square of uh, bread in the middle. So I kind of, that's like one of my first 
like smell food memories was the, the smell of burnt bread. <laughs> How about you, Ed? Yeah, again, I think it's a really good question. Um, one that we haven't had before. For me, I grew up in the countryside in the UK. So scent was like we were surrounded by fields and things. I remember my dad cutting the grass. So when you're talking about scent, grass, like freshly cut grass, definitely takes me back to my childhood. But also there was a lot of um, fields around us. So when the combine harvesters would go around and like cut all the, the grain and the wheat. So maybe that's where the bread obsession comes from. But then my mum was a was a big cook as well. Um, I've got two brothers and a sister, so the four of us, you know, it's it's hard. We we didn't have lots of money, so probably something like porridge. I remember coming down, my mum cooking cooking oats and having just like a and she's Scottish as well, so um, probably porridge and and doing baking with my mum. Those sorts of smells. Very cool. Um, and I know that you both met in 2003 while studying. So do you remember your first impressions of each other? <laughs> um, we worked <laughs> we worked in a bar and like Tasha always says that I like threw citrus fruit at her because I was a chef. And but that was, wasn't the first impression. Get her attention. But... I had my trial shift. I came in and there was this moody guy. Ed, <laughs> Ed had a rule back then that he, because it was a student town, so it was quite a high staff turnover in the bars and things and we were working in like a high-end bar bistro mm -hmm. um and he sort of said he wouldn't talk to anyone unless they'd been there at least three months so I had to wait out three months before he really initiated a conversation with me but I remember seeing this cute guy and thinking he's he's pretty hot um <laughs> but then yeah he didn't talk to me for three months as he's about to tell you he started off by throwing food at me uh immature kind of it was a long time ago I was like 18 so yeah. pretty pretty immature <laughs> Uh, yeah there was like uh, an area where we would wash glasses and there was a kind of pony wall between that and the kitchen and there were just like bits of like potato peel and tomato would just kind of be land on me from the other side of the wall and that was how Ed flirted with me <laughs> and let me know he was interested <laughs> finally yeah plucked up the courage to ask her on a date she was pretty scary like you know she was no a slightly older lady not that old slightly slightly, a year, slightly. a year or so but when you're old. younger it seems bigger because I was 20 when I met him and he was 18 okay. uh, and a half <laughs> okay. and so he yeah it seemed like a big deal at first yes not so much anymore <laughs> okay so if you guys were to go back to your young 18 and a half 20 year old selves and you told them that you would start a business and it would be successful would you have believed them no, no, we we were both not really looking for love or even a partner, really. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it was very casual. And um, yeah, we've nearly been together for, we've been together half our lives, like nearly 20 years, which is crazy. So like you said that, like, oh, you'll be with this girl for 20 plus years and get, we got married five years ago because we traveled the world together. And right. no, I don't think you'd ever believe it. I, I was a teacher for 15 years, so I never had like entrepreneurial mindset well maybe I did but wasn't aware of it until the opportunity to open a business with Ed sort of presented itself I always resisted like Tash said oh I always wanted to open up a restaurant I come from a fine dining chef background mm. so obviously it was always my desire to open a restaurant some sort of small bistro I studied French style food but always resisted it because I didn't want it to sort of affect our relationship and and ruin it but actually what happened in the end with opening the bakeries actually we see each other more 
-hmm. we have our separate departments so we sort of you know Tash runs more the front of house and I do sort of the bakery and that section I think because we've got separate departments you know obviously Mm -hmm. there's certain things we come together on as well but it seems to work right yeah awesome and you mentioned travel so living in different and working different places like uh Australia New Zealand what do you think is something that you've like learned from those countries like culture or food or anything that you've carried forward um in your life now just I think an appreciation for different cultures different foods Mm -hmm. working in Australia there's a huge sort of Asian influence into their food Mm -hmm. which I loved because it brings a freshness to it being sort of you know from that sort of European style of cooking it's very heavy and sort of hearty sort of food and I just loved that lightness that I got working in Australia and New Zealand and sort of a, a new approach the places I like to eat at but also the food that I like to cook and I think that I transferred that into vegan cooking as well and not being so set on like has to be heavy cream and butter for me that's where it sort of sparked the interest in cooking because I was still cooking when I became vegan six years ago at a French bistro in in Whistler Alta Bistro and we sort of started playing with vegan sort of techniques and and foods within the whole menu not just specifically on those menu items Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, very cool and being in the the food industry I know like being a sous chef before that it's like it's very it's very challenging and very long hours um like my partner he used to be in the food industry and he recently moved to marketing just because it was Mm -hmm. quite intense and I've had um, a few different chefs on the podcast and they've really dedicated their life to the craft. And I guess that's the same with like being a business owner and entrepreneur. So I guess for you both, how do you, I guess, try to balance that off time? I know that you guys do take some weeks off, which is amazing, but are there other ways like from your day to day that you're able to kind of turn it off or is it always just kind of on with the business? It's always on, but we mm. live in a ski town. So, you know, in the winter, when you get to get some laps on the hill on your days off you know snowboarding is one of those kind of things that you just focus on like your line you don't really have the chance to think about the business so doing activities like that where you just kind of have tunnel vision on the activity Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of super helpful for switching off but in terms of work-life balance I don't believe it exists when you're a business owner I think that you do end up working seven days a week your brain is always Um, focused on your business especially as a small business um, that we own and operate the bakery so we're not like relying on other people to carry out our vision so we're we wear lots of different hats so when we're not doing the day-to-day operations we're looking at the business from you know the owner's perspective and we'll often have to do meetings and things on our days off because the rest of the time we're making bread or serving customers so uh, I think for us, it's more about being mission led and being very passionate about our our cause and ultimately not wanting to work for anyone else and bringing out their vision, but um, just truly believing and committing to our own vision. And that kind of gets you up in the morning and gets you out of bed and gets you motivated. And uh, I think a lot of people in this town, they move here just because they want to ski or snowboard or mountain bike, which is fine. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but for us, like we are, we love all of that as well, but we're much more motivated for our vegan mission and for making the best quality bread and baked goods that we can serving the local community and just kind of spreading 
a plant-based message in our own little way, flying our little flag up here in the mountains. And I feel kind of very grateful that I have that kind of purpose to my day. Mm-hmm. It's not just about getting some laps on the hill that's fun for yourself, but not really benefiting anyone else beyond that. So I think having a mission that you wake up to every day is is kind of key there. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, I guess, I know you're on the strategy side of things, Natasha, and for you how to learn, like learning how to run a business, being a CEO, being the boss. Um, I know in another podcast, you were saying that you were taking a bunch of courses, like, like digital marketing, media training, all of that. Um, how did you guys learn how to run a business? Cause you can't just like open up the door, start an Instagram and that's it. Like mm-hmm. there's like paperwork, all of that. And like, there's just so many different laws that you have to navigate. Did you guys have any help or how did you guys navigate opening up a business? Totally. I think we both had a hospitality background. So we totally knew that I knew how to run kitchens. I've, I've done that previously, mm-hmm. but I think it's building a team, even though it's a small team, it's sort of like, okay, we need an accountant. We need a bookkeeper, um, finding people that will help you. Um, and then, like you said, with, with Natasha, like teaching yourself and sort of wanting to do better and understand it, not just relying on those people just to run it. You still have to check in and learn those processes yourself. Mm-hmm. I think my background as a teacher, as a teacher, you're always learning anyway. You learn with your students. That gave me the, I've kind of got that sort of, continuous learning streak in me like I'm always wanting to learn something else to do for the business um one of the things that actually helped me was when we were first starting to think about uh opening a bakery I sort of looked up uh, any resources on vegan business because this was like 2016 2017 I wasn't even sure that like any vegan businesses were really out there then which sounds crazy because obviously the vegan movement has become very normal now um but back then I I found this podcast um by this Forbes journalist called Katrina Fox it was called vegan business talk and I started listening to that and I feel like she was like the only person out there she's based in Australia she's really the only person out there that was putting anything out about vegan businesses and she would interview different vegan entrepreneurs and then through her I did a I found that she did a course about um, how to get your business featured in the media and she went on to develop her own network of vegan business owners. And I've kind of through that met more people like Kathleen Gage, who's based down in Oregon, who is kind of a podcast expert. Um, and I've, I've learned a lot more about the media, how to get visibility. Um, and then when it comes to other things like finances and stuff, uh, it's definitely been a roller coaster, like for example, you don't really know if you have a good bookkeeper or accountant until things go wrong. And so you do have to kind of try to understand profit and loss statements and, you know, get your head around QuickBooks. And I would recommend anyone starting a business for the first time, uh, get experts in as best you can to set these things up. Like, don't try and wing QuickBooks on your own because you'll probably set it up all wrong. And then when you eventually realize it's a mess and you take it to some expert they're going to charge you a hell of a lot of money to try and fix all of your mistakes or they won't even want to touch it. So setting things up properly from the beginning and realizing where your time is best well spent, what your qualities are and what you're good at or what you enjoy, focus on that and outsource all the other things to people that know how to do them. And it will seem expensive at first, you know, like we have a finance team that 
cost quite a lot of money. Like I tell a new business owner how much we pay our accountant and they're kind of shocked, but that's because our business has grown to a level that we need that, um, that level of expertise. And I don't regret doing that because I know that like, for example, during the pandemic, businesses were shutting down we're all applying for subsidies and, and things like that I knew that our books were in order I knew that I had to pull reports and and submit data to the CRA and that I had all my all my things organized whereas I've got friends who tried to do everything themselves and it was a lot harder for them to navigate that so I would definitely say just focus on either what you're interested in or what you're good at hopefully that's both they're you know they're both one and the same thing and then the things that you're not good at get people to do them better that better than you can and then you'll be in a much better position yes love that. and then speaking of things that you enjoy doing and you're interested in for both of you if you could have like an ideal day at work just doing everything that you love like not like let's say you don't like accounting just not worrying about that so like for both of you what's your ideal like dream work day uh oh it's tricky like I'd like to get to the point where I was doing less hours definitely mm-hmm. like what you said before about working in kitchens mm-hmm. I feel like I work just the same hours if not more as a business owner and then I find it physically harder um like lifting bags of flour 20 kilo, kilo bags of flour but just uh, my goal would be to work less but pretty much the same day like I enjoy making the bread and sourdough takes a certain amount of time you can't really rush it it is tricky in the mountains because we do get extreme cold days mm-hmm. and the customers are coming in and out um we have a prep day where we don't open to the customers and that's kind of nicer because you can play the music you want to listen to and you can talk about what whatever you like so i quite like those days i feel like i've become closer to the other bakers and the other staff because you know you're not all just rushing around serving the customers even though that's really important it gives mm-hmm. us time to to bond as a team yeah, my ideal day is kind of a day where I have a lot of uh, regular customers, a lot of locals that I know. I really enjoy kind of the fact that our bakery attracts a huge range of um, people from families with kids up to the seniors, you know, and I love the fact that some of these people have uh, have our bakery as like a part of their daily or weekly routine or some of the young professionals that work in local businesses. They come in every day or some of the seniors like some of the some of them live a bit far away and they get a bus to us once a week and get their bread and I just feel like it's important for them to have that you know connection with people on a regular basis so I kind of really enjoy being that sort of familiar face and definitely during the the pandemic we had people actually say that it was really positive for their mental health when they weren't seeing other friends and family that they'd have this um, routine of coming to pick up bread um, and so for me, that's like the bakery is kind of uh, the heart of the community, really. I feel like we don't just sell bread. It's like when somebody picks up a warm loaf of bread, it's like you're kind of se- selling happiness. And <laughs> and so, you know, seeing them, everyone always picks up the bread and holds it like a baby. And then they go, oh, oh it's warm. <laughs> and people will like walk out the bakery, just ripping the top of the baguette off with their teeth. Uh, it's really cool. Having said that, there's also a downside. If you run out of bread or the thing that they really want, then then you deal with tantrums and disappointment. And that's just because they love it so much, you know, that then the flip side is that they can be quite disappointed. So my ideal day is having a day where we've got a steady flow of customers that I can interact with in a nice way and have a little bit of a chat with. 
um, and we don't run out of stuff until you know we close the doors. Unfortunately, the reality is that we have highs and lows in Whistler of tourism, mm-hmm. and so there will be times in the middle of winter when we're absolutely slammed and it's just like you just have to process people as quickly as you can because there's a lineup out the door going around the block and and you always feel a bit of pressure when people come in and say I've just waited 45 minutes and you're like well thank you so much you know I'm so it's so nice that you would do that um, but you also feel guilty that you've taken up so much of their day but that's just you know the realities of running a popular bakery <laughs> oh yeah I think I've been I, was, I think it was a couple months ago and the bread was sold out but I did have the cinnamon buns and it was so good with the cream cheese <laughs> I will say if you guys if the bread isn't available the sourdough definitely get the pastries because Thank you. that was amazing I'd driven I told my boyfriend I'm like we gotta go here um, and it didn't matter. The bread wasn't available. I was like, I need to have some sort of pastry. So I, I understand. Awesome. I mean, it's yeah, good. We love it's, it. Yeah, I know that it's like for me, my daily routine is going to a local coffee shop that's right in Kits. And it mm-hmm. makes me so happy. The owners are also husband and wife. Um, and then we go and we chat. They know my order and I feel like I'm a part of the business. So it's great to see that you also have such a great community that are there um, to support you. And I know you talked about earlier that when you first started, the vegan restaurants, cafes weren't as dominant. Um, Now there's quite a few of them like all over British Columbia. I want to know like the behind the scenes of like being a vegan business owner. Is the community quite tight or what is it like? Are you guys supportive? Um, Yeah, I'm just quite curious to know what the community is like on the behind the scenes of being a vegan business owner. We support anybody that's operating a vegan business and we understand the challenges of of running a small business as well so we are always very positive about other people that are doing it because essentially they're eliminating cruelty and you know unnecessary deforestation and so many other issues so we have some friends up in Pemberton that have the highway cafe they make excellent vegan sandwiches and wraps. So we love them. We we vote for them in any awards that we see going. We nominate them. We we love them. But unfortunately, there aren't that many other um, vegan businesses in the Sea to Sky Corridor. There's the Green Moustache. And again, we're very supportive of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we love the fact that they do raw vegan, um, gluten-free, salads and juices and they're very different to what we do um and that's great because you know it's good to have different types of food in the in the same town um but you know we we do sometimes regret that we're not in vancouver because the city has a lot more businesses and we can't collaborate with them and um we would love to do that more we've tried we've reached out to like virtuous pie vegan pizza and asked if they would want to come and do like a kind of one night residency at our bakery and do pizzas Mm -hmm. but it's so far for them to travel that it's just kind of not worth it so we we feel that the vegans are the vegan business owners are supportive but logistically it's not possible to do much together unfortunately so we we feel a bit lonesome waving our little vegan flag up here in Whistler Um, But if anybody wants to come open a vegan business near us, we will support you and um, help you in any way we can. Yes, no, I love that. And I I think I noticed that you guys also transition a bit from like plant-based to vegan. Have Mm -hmm. you noticed any differences? I think I heard in another podcast that you guys were saying that most of your clientele isn't actually vegan or they just come in not knowing it's vegan. Yes, have you noticed the difference with plant-based and vegan? 
Yeah, I mean, when we opened the bakery um, a few years ago now, sort of we wanted to go in a bit more softly, like plant-based bakery, because a lot of people, you know, they see the word vegan bakery and they just wouldn't even come in. Mm-hmm. So for us, we were like, well, everyone eats plants in some way. I mean, a lot of our friends, they're not vegan, um, but but they have oat milk in their coffee, for example, and they're just like, well, it tastes amazing. So for us, we just wanted it to be like, there's something for everything, unless you're celiac which is very difficult for us to do because we mill flour in the bakery. And, this, you know, apart from that, we, we generally try and hit all the allergies, you know, nut free of, and then obviously dairy and egg free, but now definitely in our sort of social media and things like that, we do use word vegan more plant-based has kind of been overused within other businesses. And then it's not, you have to order the plant-based option, but then you need to remember to ask them to remove something else because it's not, it's not vegan or it's not 100% plant-based. They're it's just been using... bastardized, isn't it? Yeah, it's essentially. Like you'll see plant-based products that contain egg. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> what plant does that come from, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's not the eggplant. Um, so <laughs> it, we've noticed that there has been some dilution of the term. So we go for 100% plant-based. And in, in answer to your question, what's the difference between plant-based and vegan? Plant-based generally refers to the diet, like of eating plants but there may be people who eat plant-based or eat vegan but they're not really vegan vegan is a lifestyle vegan is about eliminating the cruelty and suffering of other sentient beings and it, it goes far beyond just what you eat it goes into what you wear what you put on your body the interior of your home your car even some people it would go even further I mean you can go really deep with it and but that's essentially what the the premise is it's about living a lifestyle that doesn't harm other beings unnecessarily and i think a lot of people don't really want to kill anyone else to eat but they haven't made that connection necessarily because you know the meat and the other products are kind of packaged nicely in the supermarket and it's what they're familiar with it's what they know and it's what they they know they like to eat and they're kind of a bit confused as to how plant-based products are made you know like some even people in our own family are kind of quite adverse to eating plant-based meats mm-hmm. um, they would rather eat the vegetable stuff like we do um, and yet they eat meat so you get these products that are out there on the market that are designed for meat eaters to transition from meat mm-hmm. um, but people get a bit freaked out they think that if they eat meat then it's a pure product in some way they don't necessarily see the hormones and the you know the antibiotics the steroids or the bleach or any of those other things or even the plastic um, that can be present in these um, animal-based products and obviously it's not written on the packet a lot of the time in fact I've noticed in the when I've been past the meat aisle it'll often say uh, hormone free they'll have a sticker on something and I don't know if people realize that if it says hormone free on that one, then maybe the one next to it contains hormones and who knows what they are and if they're, you know, good or bad for you. But um, I think a lot of people, if they made that connection mm-hmm. that someone's been killed or babies have been killed for you to drink that milk or, and really came to terms with that and kind of understood the horrors of the animal industry, I think a lot of people wouldn't want to eat meat or they don't want to but it's so convenient and it's so socially acceptable that it's too difficult for a lot of people to make that transition so we're trying to make it easy for them and just say hey you know 
you don't have to understand it but we're making vegan food and if you like it come back for it you know just mm. that's all there is to it really if if something tastes good someone's going to come back for it again and again they won't care what's in it mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people as you said they're kind of not really sure of the whole behind the scenes of where the food comes from do you maybe responsibility is a, maybe a strong word but do you both feel that sense like wanting to educate some of the customers that don't know or do you maybe like if they ask questions you'll answer those but in terms of like edu- educating them more about veganism and animals and all that um yeah where how do you guys approach that i think if you come to our shop and support us and choose to spend your money in vegan businesses then ultimately it's going to push up demand so the more we can buy things from vegan supply in vancouver then that you know our customers buying our product we're helping them you know hopefully we would see more subsidies within vegan products Mm -hmm. a friend told me like a few years ago like a big mac you know if you took away all the subsidies from the government that would be like 11 12 as a as a product you know but because of all these subsidies they can bring that down to five dollars so you know we do pay more for vegan butter and plant-based milks and all these sorts of things because at the moment the government aren't given enough subsidies so well they're not it's, supporting it's all the farmers a, to they're transition. Not, yeah exactly so i think it's all a circle the more money people spend with vegan companies buying plant-based it, it shows there's a bigger demand for it mm-hmm. so we don't really like to preach to to our customers or anything like that like tash said we just make the best products we can and just show people that it's not an inferior if anything if we make a product and it's not as good as its counterpart or better then we generally don't put it on the menu because we're our biggest critics you know we eat all our own products on a daily basis and we ask for feedback but we do we do share some uh, vegan activist kind of posts on Instagram once in a while and we have blog posts um, you know sort of explaining how we've eliminated eggs and why we've done so so there is a little bit of that but it's just a fine line between educating and preaching and being seen as like you know we don't want to turn people off we want we want to turn people on to veganism so we kind of go for the more positive of you know, look how great this looks, look how great it tastes and, and yeah, feel good about it that no animals were killed for it, you know, and, and we just kind of sort of go on that side more than sort of look at this, you know, calf being ripped away from its mother and, (laughs) you know, look at the mummy cow screaming and running down the street for, you know, rather than that, which is, which unfortunately is the reality of animal agriculture. And we want people to be aware of that um it's really difficult as a vegan business that that needs to have a lot of customers it is difficult to sort of educate everybody that comes in with that message you know so it's definitely more about as ed said just kind of making the best products we can and hoping people enjoy them and coming back for them yeah no i love that and before we transition to rapid fires i know that you guys are coming out with a cookbook and you're in the process of writing it which is so exciting so congratulations thank Thank you i want to hear about the process like what is it what how's it going so far have you guys written the recipes already or how yeah what's going on yeah i mean it was it was massive for us to be approached by penguin random house which yeah that's huge one of is is massive like i grew up you know any kids kids book you know was normally had the little penguin logo on so recognizable so we were so humbled that they sort of found us through listening to podcasts and social media they sort of like looked what we were doing 
and have seen a gap in the market. You know, there's a lot of vegan cookbooks out there for, mm-hmm. you know, dinners, lunches, smoothies, salads, those sorts of things. But there's, there is not many for baking sourdough. I mean, sourdough is actually vegan. You know, if you're just talking about a country sourdough, whole wheat loaf, something like that. But the book is sourdough and vegan baking. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be coming out November next year. So um, a year away now. Um, a lot of the recipes are going to be things that we've done at the bakery, okay. plus a lot of new ones that we're working on currently and testing. And um, so it's an exciting time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Are you guys like feeling about how are you guys feeling? about? Are you guys nervous or like good nerves, bad nerves? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, a year away is like it comes quite quickly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's always a bit. I think, I think the the most anxiety causing thing is, um, will people be able to make the recipes? Will they come out like mm. we make them? And if they don't, are we responsible for the way we've written it, or is it, you know, have they made a mistake? For example, one of the issues we've had actually is that a lot of people are very comfortable using cups in the kitchen for uh, volume. So, you know, one cup of this, one cup of that, or a, yeah. a tablespoon of this. And the issue we have with baking is it's more of a science. And, you know, one gram over of something can have a detrimental effect on uh, the outcome. Right. And, you know, the things, ingredients like baking soda, for example, they can be very powerful. If And so you need to be very precise and we really want everybody that buys our book to also get a pair of scales and <laughs> make sure that they weigh everything. So we are putting cups, volume measurements, as well as grams. Okay. Um, but the reason why we're doing cups is because the publisher's forcing us to, uh, <laughs> because apparently, you know, everyone has cups at home and I get it. Like I, I cook with cups, but that's when I'm making a stew or something. And it's just like, oh, you know, 10 grams extra lentils, who cares? Um, but if it's, you know, a cake, mm-hmm. God, it's so hard to get a decent cake, you know, come out perfect. We all, we've all been there with sunken cake disasters. So we don't want that to happen. Then people blame the recipe. So yes, we're putting cups in there. Only follow that if you have to. Please get scales. Please use grams. It's so much better. I mean, if you're going to buy a baking book of any type, Mm-hmm. get the scales as well please <laughs> I can't emphasize that enough we've put cups in there but we can't guarantee it will come out and the reason is because some people will put a cup of flour mm-hmm. in a mixing bowl and that may be a level cup it should be a level cup but then you know is it a packed cup you know did you compress the flour have you sifted the flour mm-hmm. um, and if people just kind of don't pay attention then they can be putting quite a lot more or less flour and then the recipe intends. So that's one of the issues we've had. Um, but the penguin insist that we have to put cups in there. So we, and they know it. what they're doing. They we know just, what we they're just doing. have to trust them. They, <laughs> they have been a really supportive and um, yeah, it's a really good, it's a fun process. It's, it's hard, mm-hmm. it's, you know, running the bakery at the same time, um, but we're well into it now and we've sort of, it's going to be a hundred recipes. So yeah, hope, as soon as we know and we can start doing pre-sales, it's, it's, it's going to be really sort of like go time from there and hopefully just expose the bakery you know to the world really totally yeah if you need a book tester i am here because <laughs> okay. if, I, if i can make it then like anyone can because i'm Perfect. a terrible baker so 
I'm at the base level here. That's that's awesome. Awesome. Well, there's going to be, you know, there's simple recipes in there that you can make yes. in a food processor. And then there's ones that might take you two or three days. So mm -hmm. just in sort of prep and with the sourdough and everything like that. So it's kind of a, a mixed bag, lots of like yeah. really nice cookies and cakes. So yeah, we're, we're excited. It's going to be a fun journey over the next year. That is so exciting. I can't wait to see you when I um, I'd love to get into some rapid fires if you guys are down. First question, if you could bake, you know, bread, Ed's bread for anyone, alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Is that for me or for both of us? Maybe your, maybe your granddad, because he never got to try your bread. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, my granddad, I would say, my mum's granddad, like he was a published author as well. He found out about the book. He passed away this year. But oh, because we're over here, never got to uh, to make him a loaf of bread. So that would have been good. Yeah, well, you made him family. shortbread sure. once, didn't you? Yeah. And we're putting those in the book too. So. Yeah, Scottish shortbread. And he liked them. They, oh. got, they got approved. So, I yeah. love that. <laughs> so Mr. John Dickey. Could <laughs> <laughs> um, you describe the other's ideal breakfast? Ed's ideal breakfast? Oh, yes. it's a tempeh sandwich. So there's this stuff from Tofurky. It's tempeh bacon. Yep. He loves that with um a kind of asian style mayonnaise so like mayonnaise with like seaweed and sesame and stuff and then tomato and lettuce um is there anything else that you put in that yeah, sandwich ketchup ketchup as well ketchup um and he has that on um sesame and poppy seed sourdough oh wow you knew that to a t are you making yeah. him the, the breakfast is that no what? i make i oh, make okay. it for both of us <laughs> and tash is pretty easy as well like pancakes crepes mm -hmm. waffles Anything mm -hmm. with like berries, ma maple a syrup, a bit more sweetie, or a pecan cinnamon bun. Yeah, anything on the sweeter with side. Yogurt, the Vancouver yogurt. Oh, yes. I love that. I love yogurt. So oh good. yeah, She's, yes. her yogurt's the best. And then some sliced strawberries on it as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm supposed to be answering it. <laughs> I get carried away. You're just getting hungry and just mm. talking about the food she wants to eat. <laughs> um, okay, what's the best birthday you've had? The best birthday I've had. Oh, I think when I was 27 or something, I had like this psychedelic birthday party mm -hmm. and everybody wore crazy different versions of what they imagined psychedelic to be. So there were some people that were like colorful hippies and then there were other people that turned up like wearing like raver 90s outfits. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had like a multicolored piñata. And then uh, actually Ed got spun around a few times to do the piñata and uh, he accidentally whacked my friend and she fell that. over, but um, <laughs> she was okay. It, was it just ended up being funny and it memorable. It was a phone bat. It was a phone bat. It wasn't okay. a wooden one. <laughs> so, and she was, she, it was her fault. She spun him around and left him in front of her. And I'd had a lot of Jägermeister. He'd had well. a lot of Jägermeister. So that was many moons ago. <laughs> many moons ago. How about you, Ed? I would say probably my 21st, actually, we were in a, WA in Australia uh, in Fremantle which is just outside of Perth mm -hmm. in a really cool hostel and there was a, a bunch of people we had a really good like, I think Tash bought us like a really big chocolate cake and we were like trading cake for people were barbecue. doing a barbecue food <laughs> and then also she bought me like the two of us ended up doing like a five-day surf school Oh, cool. um, so that was really nice had the birthday at the hostel and then a few days later we went and learned to surf um, and again it was a really good crew of people and we had a like we stayed in this nice nice house together and the surf it was really yeah that was really fun very memorable cool Natasha I think I saw on the website that you can surf but you can't swim is that supposed to be like like a joke or can you actually no I can't swim like I can do like 
maximum 50 meters um, and I haven't been in a pool for ages, but what happens is um, I don't know why, but my legs fall down halfway through buoyancy, and yeah. I just don't have any buoyancy and I've tried and like, no, nobody seems to be able to instruct me. I've watched videos. I've tried to learn some special technique. I'm useless. So when it was Ed's 21st birthday, I saw this surf school thing and he's a great swimmer and mm-hmm. I knew he really wanted to, to surf. Mm-hmm. So I phoned up the surf camp and I said, hey you know my boyfriend wants to do this camp can I come with him but like not surf I'm happy to pay for the accommodation and board Mm -hmm. and the coach was like this really crazy Aussie guy and he goes what do you mean you kind of come to surf school and not learn to surf you gotta look you gotta get in the water promise me you get in the water and I was like well yeah I would I, I can't swim and he goes absolute lies he goes Neither can I, mate. Neither can I. <laughs> and he goes, it's 200 metres and you can stand up. It's a great <laughs> beginner's beach. Promise me you give it a go. So I did. And um, I think by day three, he had me in the green water, which is um, before the waves break. And I just remember I was so scared sitting on my surfboard in what was to me quite deep water that I remember I just kept falling off the board and having to get back on it and then eventually this big wave came and he goes that's one for the coach and he surfed it and off he went and I was just kind of like just left hanging onto this surfboard and it was yeah 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 but then the first wave I caught in the green water I actually managed to stand up all the way to the beach so I did actually pick it up we ended up buying our own surfboards we lived in New Zealand. We had a surf van. We were proper surf bums. Um, surfing <laughs> every weekend. Definitely couldn't do it now, though. And, and I got really into it. But um, I've never, I would never do, like, the reef surfing that you get in, like, Bali. I have surfed in Bali, but I didn't. I kept it to beach breaks um, because I can't swim. I'd just be That's terrified impressive. of, like, the rope, rope snapping and me drowning. So, yeah, I can surf. I shouldn't surf. You know, it's not advisable, but mm-hmm. I did it. And I've surfed in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, mm-hmm. Mexico, uh, Bali, Portugal, France, you know, lots of places. So, mm-hmm. but not for a long time. You know, I switched switched surfing for snowboarding when I moved to Canada. It's a lot lot safer for me. Yeah, that's impressive. That should be your two truths and a lie. Like at a party, you should always bring that up because I feel <laughs> no one would believe you. That's crazy. <laughs> it is quite unbelievable. But I said it wasn't intentional, but the, the surf coach kind of made me. So yeah, here I am. <laughs> here you go. Um, okay, next question. I guess it's like maybe a little bit more spicy, but but in an argument, who apologizes first? <laughs> uh, yeah, depends who's wrong. Like probably me more often. Hmm. Interesting. Just, Tash is way more stubborn, so I just give in. I'm just like so? I don't like the. Uh, I'm not sure that's correct. I think mm. the the key is normally I'm just like let's just have some space. We're definitely not one of them like go for it for like half an hour like shouty couples. I much prefer just to be like time out. T- yeah, just take a time out. Yeah. Come back to it like an hour later when mm. you've like cooled off. Just because I come from like I say a chef background, so as yeah. soon as I swear, that's it, game over. Like yeah. Tash is just like get out <laughs> like don't, just you know what I mean like it doesn't help anyone when you like yeah. start swearing and stuff so I think that's the key is yeah, we Jack, don't have like very big arguments though like, we just bicker all the time <laughs> just lots of tiny ones we just yeah, oh we bicker a lot yeah, yeah. Now, me and my boyfriend we do the same but he's very like he was a chef too so like he can have his temper but for like in our relationship he's like very calm like if he's angry he just kind of 
like soaks it in a bit and then he doesn't say things he doesn't mean he's just like takes a moment where I'm a little bit more passionate I'm like what let's let's sort this out so it's like a good good mix but I know in the restaurant industry he was so used to just being yelled at or like yelling at people and just swearing all the time so I think that transition was a little bit hard from going to like A to B yeah I think that comes with age as well Mm -hmm. I've definitely mellowed out like when I first came over to Canada like nine years ago my head chef was like calling me Ed Ramsey and stuff he's like dude you gotta stop making people cry like you can't like he's Aussie so he kind of got it he'd worked in fine dining kitchens but he's like you just gotta mellow out a bit and he definitely sort of like mentored me a bit and mm-hmm. and helped me be more of a a manager less than just sort of like a bit of a sergeant major like army star <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And last question for you both. If you had $50,000 to go towards the business, where would you put the money? $50,000. What I'd really like to do is, I mean, it's hard to say because it's not so much money that holds us back It's space. So we would love to do Venoise pastry and have like proving cupboards and a laminator to do croissants and that type of thing. And that's like the one aspect of baking that we can't do in our current location because we are less than a thousand square feet and we have equipment in every single um, part of the bakery that we can fit it in. Um, so I think that if we had the space and the money, I'd probably invest it in Venoir's pastry equipment. Mm, nice. Yeah, true. I suppose. Yeah. We're, we're pretty lucky because when we started the bakery, we bought everything new. So there's nothing really that needs like replacing or anything like that. Um, We definitely, our next sort of goal is to maybe reduce, like we sell t-shirts currently. So we're thinking about, we've we've sold a lot of those, but we don't sell enough to warrant the space. So we've been thinking about doing like more of like a deli fridge. Mm. We already sell like hummus and olives, but Mm. um, increasing that range. So maybe where the t-shirt shelf is, buy sort of like a custom fridge Mm -hmm. and maybe invest money into that and, and, and then that would open up our offerings a bit more that we could do, you know, cheesecakes or things like that, more grab and grow, go things, um, whereas we don't have display refrigeration at the moment. So that's something that we're kind of hoping to to bring in the next year or so is uh, refrigeration. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you both for coming on. I appreciate your time. I'm a huge fan of Ed's Bread and I know my listeners, the majority of them, I know they already know who you guys are, but if you don't, definitely check them out and buy their cookbook next year. Yeah. And I definitely will. Maybe I'll be like a sourdough connoisseur by the end of it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We really appreciate all your support and 